Bonjour, film lovers. Did you know that you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio? We also have a website, realnerdspodcast.com, where you can find cool articles and other ways to listen to the podcast. You can also follow us on social, Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us at 720-6-NERDS-5. We will listen to it, we will play it, and we will probably commentate on it. Also, email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Anyway, enjoy the episode. podcast and what you just heard was the new trailer for the batman coming out which um is really awesome i love the i love the part where he's walking down like the alley or something and he's you know getting shot at and it's lighting it up 
and he's beating people up at the same time. Yeah. What if one of those guys just points their gun like three inches higher, though? Uh, it's, you know, it's a lot harder to shoot somebody in the head than you think. Just, just <laughs> let you know. Even with a machine gun? Yeah. Wow. I guess Batman's really... Yeah, I'm saying he's, he has no face shield, and uh, yeah, all those guys got to do is point up. <laughs> he's... Yeah, but if you if you like hitting a moving target is always tricky because you have to anticipate where they're gonna be and see. Batman knows that, so that's why it's flickering, and he employs all these other distractions. Uh, he's just walking straight forward down a narrow corridor. <laughs> I just <laughs> uh, with flashing lights. <laughs> throwing off their timing yeah everyone's scared remember he's using fear uh just like or the scarecrow farmer yeah well I, yeah but it's like his fate his chin and mouth aren't bulletproof <laughs> well you're taking a chance <laughs> <laughs> so i'm saying it's just like all you gotta do is like just point a couple inches a little higher and they can take out batman in, the, in that shot so or could they <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I there's a, something else going on in the movie I don't know about. Maybe he has a force field over his face. I don't That or, you know, the, it's also out of context, so who knows? Yep. Um, Brad, if they shoot him in the face, then the movie's over, and that would be bad. So that's why they don't do it. Thanks, Harry, for doing uh, the job of the government. Yeah, but what if they shot you in the face? <laughs> oh, if they shot me in the face? <laughs> that's a risk we are willing to take. Um no, it was fun. Um, the rest of the DC fandom, I was like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I expected more out of the Flash thing, but like that, that wasn't. It was cool. I to thought see it was interesting that the silhouette. The fla- Sorry, the Flash was just Michael Keaton talking the whole time. <laughs> you know, all right. Um, yeah, but it's cool. There's like there's two um, Barry Allen's like, and like one the costume is uh, he's he's got Keaton's suit but it's painted over as as the flash if you saw that yeah it was cool I I mean if there's only a movie beating them to the punch oh (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man but you know it was fun like uh, I had it running in the background while I was (laughs) approving reports at work and every once in a while I look up because something caught my eye I think the Harley Quinn looks fun. It's a great TV show. Oh, yeah. The comic's really good right now. Yeah, there's but anyways, a, a lot of unfinished stuff in the uh, in the fandom. You know, there's like a lot of storyboards and photographs, but no, like you're very trailer light. Yeah, it's more of, you know, showing you this is what we're working on. Because <laughs> even um, the Black Adam, it looks like they only had that one scene done. Because the rest of the establishing shots looked like they were uh, like uh, concept art. Yeah, previs. Yeah, it was cool that I, I didn't realize they already had Hawkman in the pipeline. Yeah, he, he's gonna make his debut in that. Yeah, they're kind of intertwined. I don't know the Hawkman, Hawk uh, Girl, and Black Adam stories are really convoluted, so I, I, I have a hard time keeping them straight. Oh, you mean like all of comics? Uh, I don't know. Like the DC stuff, though, they break off in so many different worlds that it's so hard. Is this like the good guy Black Adam, or is it kind of the anti-hero Black Adam? Is he a bad guy? Is it uh, the one hot girl who first show up, or is it the second one? 
you know, it's just stuff like that. I can't keep straight. How many, how many Hawk people are there, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. Several. <laughs> would it be, would it be best if I just got on with my day and did not worry about this? Yeah, no, you just watch the movie and enjoy it. Oh, um, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm still waiting for them to have Hawk lad, but you know, who knows? <laughs> and Hawk dog. Hawk dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hawk dog, we have a wiener. When uh, Jim Lee Hey-o. presented those different crisis covers, I was like, oh my God, are they going to do another crisis like event in the <laughs> comics? Like, they've really milked the that one. It's all crises. It's like identity crisis. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, I mean, the first one's Crisis on Infinite Infinite. Earth. Yeah, but after Identity Crisis, they had like... I think it was Infinite Crisis, right? Infinite Crisis, yeah. And then there was something recently that I didn't pay attention to that one. No, I... uh, In fact, on DC stuff, I pretty much drop off everything except for uh, Harley and the main Batman title. I I don't even read Detective Comics because they're starting to not have Batman as much in them, so... Interesting, because they always yeah, have Batman in them. No, if you go back, because I have some of the early ones with Batgirl. Oh, because... Yeah, like they're like pre nineteen eighty stuff. Yeah, um, I mean Batman's in them right now, but they're kind of forcing you to read about Miracle Molly and shit like that stuff. I don't care about. So I've uh, stopped getting Batman, but I did pick up Batman eighty nine, and uh, it's written by um, Sam Hamm, who co wrote the movie mm-hmm. the movie and um it's not bad it's, it's interesting yeah it's like a harvey dent's going after the batman nice pre two-face because he's a vigilante nice anyways we're real nerds podcast <laughs> and every week and we now we talk about comics <laughs> we're done with yeah, movies. while we talk about comics um no, it just I thought the trailer was really cool, so I kind of want to open the show with something awesome. Um, yeah, I thought it like looked really well, but anyways, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw Halloween Kills, except yes. for Grand, she didn't see it. Um, Ooh. <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> a I'm different gonna movie. And, I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there, Corinne, that you will never see this movie because it is oh. way too violent for you. Oh, it's, um, it's, the me- it's the meanest thing ever. I'm glad Corinne didn't go, she would have, <laughs> yeah. she would have left in 15 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not your cup of tea. But uh, you stay know tuned what? To the episode. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say. You know what? Is while I was sitting in my showing of the last duel, I thought, you know what? I bet this has a higher kill count than Halloween Kills. Uh probably not. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll I get know. into it. Unless the because, last duel has um, genocide in it, sure. Uh, I mean, we'll get into it because <laughs> we will tell you if we recommend the film or not play the trailer and then spoil it and there's uh we can't really get into the kill count i guess without spoilers for halloween kills um there's spoilers everywhere sheriff we also talk about movies we've seen throughout the week movie news Uh, we already covered some of it at the very top of the show and um movies that are coming out movies 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 is what we talk about yeah, see, he did probably say movies, movies, movies at one point, but he definitely didn't say Judy, Judy, Judy. You know, I, I, I my uh, Cary Grant's getting better. <laughs> I, I, I think you should uh, audition for a biopic of him that's animated. Um, um. <laughs> probably not. I did. When I was at Mile High Comics today, they have a collection of Cary Grant DVDs. Why? That, I don't know. They buy, actually, they have a lot of old stuff there. 
but they okay. have um it's a set from sony so columbia um, and it has um the awful truth his girl friday mm-hmm. um i can't remember the other ones uh but the one they have on there that i actually don't own that i only got on streaming is talk of the town Ew. But they want they want thirty dollars for it. But when I did research for it on Amazon, it comes with like a bunch of special features and um, postcards that were the old lobby cards. So I'm like, I should, I might get that because I don't is think that, anyone's going to go in there and buy it. I mean, they might, but no. But the question is, is that pack sealed at Mile High Comics or is it used? Well, it's used, so I don't know what's on in the inside. So, so I guess I could ask him. The- if- you may not get the postcards, but you'll at least get the discs. Yeah, I might ask him because I kind of want the postcards because it's uh, reproductions of the posters. So, um, yeah, saw that today. Yep, that's what we do. Movies, yeah. movies, movies, movies. Brad, can we still go around town? Not as much, but you can. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Well, like I said last week, the uh, Holiday Holiday Twin is uh, the only one still open uh, in the metro area. So on screen one, you can watch Dune, and screen two, you can watch No Time to Die. Nice. There you go. Get outside. It's really nice right now. I guess it's supposed to snow on Monday. No. Next week. Oh, yeah. I was going to say today's Monday. Oh, no. Or wait. No, it is today. I think they said October 18th. I don't know what day. I don't know if I'm pitching or catching. I work so much now. There is um, no snow scheduled for today here in Centennial. So the weather good. lied to you. It was too hot for snow today. It was nice today. I was down. Mm-hmm. I was down in the metro area. Um, I had to get some supplies for work, and you know, go to the grocery store. <laughs> we were out filming like over the weekend, uh, like after sundown, and it was like I expected to go into freezing weather. And it was like just perfect. Yeah, no, it's been really nice out. Really nice. Speaking of nice, this is what's coming out on Blu-ray next week. This week, the nineteenth. DVD releases the Blu-rays. Have the lambs stopped screaming, Ryan? Uh, no. I no. just need some fava beans and a nice Chianti. We're good. Um, yes, you can pick up The Silence of the Lambs in 4K, courtesy of Kino Lorber putting it out. Um, the standard artwork from the posters with Jodie Foster's mouth being covered up by the, the death moth and Hannibal Lecter's mouth being covered by the death moth and a death moth in the middle of them. So yeah, pick up The Silence of the Lambs in 4K. Also coming to you in 4K is 1996's uh, slasher classic Scream, uh, both in a standard and in a steel book edition. Ooh, I had the steel book coming. I was wondering what I got charged with from Amazon. I couldn't remember. So is is Paramount just not going to put out the rest of the series? What what's the deal here? I don't, I don't know. Right. Maybe not. Yeah, I'll tell you what. They are spending a bunch of money to put out on 4K and Blu-ray. Is Snake Eyes GI Joe Origins? You can pick up your 4K version of Snake Eyes. Uh, and you can also pick up a Steelbook edition. Uh, also coming to you uh, on 4K is Demons 1 and 2 from 1985, courtesy of Synapse Films. This is a special limited edition of Demons. 
demons. It's a group of people trapped in large West Berlin movie theater infected by ravenous demons who proceed to kill and possess the humans one by one and thereby multiplying their numbers. This sounds like fun, Ryan. I want to see demons. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, a knockoff of a zombie movie. Um, but I mean, the gore in it's pretty great. Okay, right on. I want to, I'm going to peep this out. Uh, something that you can also peep out is DC animated, uh, DC animated movie Injustice in 4K. Uh, you guys picking that one up? Uh, you, uh, I'll be getting it. It's uh, based on the game that's made by the guys from Mortal Kombat. So, oh, gotcha. So they're, they're now basing it. It's based on the game. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, based on the game, based on the comic that yeah. it spawned. And it's from the, from the bubblegum comic of the same name. Wait, wait what? I'm... And the end of uh, Snyder Cut alludes to it. Yeah, it's. Um, you're right. Yeah, the. I mean, the premise is um, the Joker tricks Superman into killing Lois Lane, and then Superman kills. This isn't spoilers. It happens at the very beginning of the movie, or I guess the video game. I think it's in the trailer um, then, too. Yeah, it's in the trailer, um, and Superman kills Joker and sets up. A, a world where he and Wonder Woman um, rule it, and like with basically, if you step out of line, they'll fucking kill you. So it's pretty cool. And Batman okay. starts a underground resistance. Gotcha. Alrighty, cool. Well, what else is coming out? Um, I mean, I I'm not going to get it, but if you want, you can. Old in 4K. Uh, you can get that on very 4K very old. I haven't seen it yet. Is it something I should see? I mean, Brad, from the movie. Brad's already talked about it um, on the show once before, and it sounded like, no, you don't need to. Um, maybe I will check it out. I don't know. So, I'm, I want to give Brad, that I, another chance. Should I wait till it's streaming? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, something I will take a chance on is The Night House with Rebecca Hall from 2020. I know. I, I want to see that one. It got really great reviews. I know we've we had it in the poll, and I think you guys ended up doing Reminiscence instead. I, well, yeah, I wanted to do the Night House, but the fucking internet voted for us to do Reminiscence. Mm, I think the problem with the Night House is it was too um, generic. Like the trailers were generic, the name is generic, but I heard it's really good. Nice. You know what? You, you know what is also. You know what's really good, Ryan. I can guarantee that it's really good. Mad Love from 1935 with Peter Laurie and Colin Clive coming to you from Warner Archive. That movie is fucking dope. I'm going to be getting that. I might also get The Incredible Shrinking Man from Criterion, the 1957 sci-fi flick from Jack Arnold. So if you want to check out some, some two lovely genre pieces from the past, there's your bag there. Um, you can also get Corridor of Mirrors from 1938, courtesy of Cohen Film Collection. The story involves a man who falls in love with a beautiful young woman and begins to suspect that he may have also loved her in a previous life. Ooh, find out in Corridor of Mirrors. Um, we are also getting from Flickr Alley in, sha- in the Shadow of Hollywood, uh, the highlights from Poverty Row Studios. Um, you can also get from Flickr Alley the Little Rascals. Uh, this is a uh, volume three of their collection. Oh, this is Classic Flicks. I'm sorry. Classic Flicks is putting this one out. But yes, a bunch of Golden Age stuff that you can get your hands on. You can also get a Steelbook of Apocalypse Now in 4K. This is a Best Buy exclusive that features the final cut. Uh, so if you uh, want to... I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know what? 
I might end up getting this because the one thing I don't like about the Apocalypse Now 4K set that I got is that packaging is garbage. Like it is, it is straight up trash. Um, so I, I might pick it up just so that I have a better storage facility for it. Uh, from this year, Mark Wahlberg's movie, Joe Bell, is coming to you on Blu-ray. You can also get from this year, um, Superman and Lois, the complete first season. So this is the new Superman and Lois TV show. Oh, cool. Does Dean Cain spout his far right conspiracy theories on there too? Uh, that's wait, a 90s show. <laughs> wait, D- Dean Kane's uh Dean Wait, Kane's there's a- another Superman show? I thought that was the name of the Dean Kane show. No, it's no, a new that, one. That's the, 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 like last the, year. the, the 90s oh, one is Lois and Clark, the adventures of Superman. This one is just Superman and Lois. It has no. uh Tyler Hawklin, Elizabeth Tulich, uh Jordan Alassis, Alexander Garfin, and Eric Valdez. Um so yeah. You can check those out if you'd like. Ryan, you and I will like this. We we like Cary Grant, obviously. And that means by proxy, we love Randolph Scott. I think we can all agree Randolph Scott is so amazing that he had to be mentioned in Ominous Awe in Blazing Saddles. Well, now Mill Creek Entertainment is giving you a Blu-ray collection of 12 of his Western films. So you can pick up films such as The Desperados, The Nevadan, Santa Fe, Man in the Saddle, The Stranger Wore a Gun, A Lawless Street, Hangman's Knot, The Tall T, Decision at Sundown, Buchanan Rides Alone, Ride Lonesome, and Comanche Station, all coming to you through this wonderful 12-pack from Mill Creek Entertainment. So everybody bow your heads for Randolph Scott, Cary Grant's best friend. Um, and the last two releases we have are the protege from 2021 in 4k, uh, which feature features Michael Keaton, Maggie Q and Sam Jackson and criterion is putting out rat catcher from 1999 directed by Lynn Ramsey set in Scotland's national garbage strike of the mid 1970s. A poor adolescent boy struggles to reconcile his dreams and his guilt with the abjection that surrounds him. Find out what is going on in rat catcher. And that's blu-rays. Hey guys, unspool that movie news. It's real news. Well, we already kind of talked about the big uh, trailer, which was the Batman trailer, which um, I didn't really get my two cents in, but I liked it. It looks cool. It looks fucking creepy and I like it. Um, so yeah, I cannot and wait. One of my for friends text me about it and say, uh, why do they have the Riddler, some C-list villain? I go, what? <laughs> He's definitely an A-list villain for Batman. Who, who, in what world is the Riddler a C-list villain? He's, I don't know. It may in be a Schumacher's. world where he wasn't <laughs> played by Jim Carrey. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe. Um, uh, ex- excuse me, guys. Before, before Jim Carrey did it, Frank Gorshin did it. So therefore, he's always going to be an A-list villain. I will not have you guys besmirch Frank Gorshin's name. No, I don't even know who that is. Well, Corinne, you are, I will introduce you to him gladly and you will fall in love with Frank Gorshin. He's He's in the Batman 65 show, Corinne. 66. 66, I mean. I guess guess in the comics, like Riddler was the C-list villain, but um, like in my lifetime, he never seemed like that. So... I would never say he was C-list because he was always like the problem with Batman villains is 
in the 40s they were all pretty diabolical and then they went through the batman tv show era where they were all pretty goofy but i always thought as the riddler is cold and calculating i mean he's in hush um he does in the long house i guess in the long halloween he's kind of a joke but yeah i think like since like the 70s onward when they went back to like the dark night period like that's when he got more in depth but yeah like prior to that he was you know pretty you know i built a giant box with a question mark on it you know type thing. <laughs> yeah but i mean i mean just off the top of your head list me the best batman villains i mean well, joker penguin catwoman arguably riddler, riddler. <laughs> egghead isn't yeah, there like, one that's like a pumpkin or something what am i thinking of king tut scarecrow no. king man bat Poison Ivy, Clayface, Court of Owls, Ray Shagul, Ray Shagul, of Shadows. Yeah, That's his... one of the best rook galleries, really. Oh, hands down, yeah. Mr. 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 Freeze. Yeah. Uh, Did we say Clayface? It's a, it's a, yeah, he said Clayface, but yeah, like Mr. Freeze again wasn't like an A-lister until the animated series. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he was an afterthought until Heart of Ice. Um, yeah. Because he was his original name too. I think it was Mr. Zero or something. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't Mr. Freeze until later on. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, the Batman has incredible villains. I'm more and surprised I mean, it, by the people who are like, oh, it's cool that they're making the Riddler a seven style serial killer. I'm like, yeah, we've been asking for that for like many years now. <laughs> like, that that's a great take. It's just like Matt Reeves was the only one who had the balls to do it. Yep. Yeah. And, and like, uh, the, characters you were listing off zach like calendar man and stuff those people to me are his c-list villains not the riddler <laughs> Ex- excuse me mr frost egghead will always be number one i'll always be excellent <laughs> Jeez. if i give me money guys i will make an egghead that is super sincere and gritty <laughs> but he still throws eggs um anywho but there were other trailers that dropped this week we got a trailer for scream 5 or scream but i guess um it looks like fun cindy prescott's back again yep. uh, uh i, had, I think i had a nice sense of dread to the trailer yeah i liked that uh uh the uh automatic locks going on and off like that was a nice little creepy moment there and the, um, the guys who made it made ready or not which is a great movie so i have, I have faith in them yep we should all have faith in them. Um, but yeah, it looks, it looks neat. Um, looks like at the end of the trailer, they're back at the old Prescott home. So uh, we're going to be thrust into uh, the reboot territory uh, within that. I, I'm, I'm curious what it turns out being. I'm not looking too much into the trailer because they did an interview where they said there's a lot of misdirects in that trailer. So I'm just like, I'm just going to go in blank going forward. Like I yeah. saw the trailer once. That's it. That's all I need to know. Yeah. Um, you guys will appreciate. I saw something on social media, and it was um, like a those stills from uh, Last Action Hero, where Arnold Schwarzenegger just walks in and shoots the closet, and there's a guy in there. But they had superimposed it with like Sidney Prescott, and he's like, "Why did you? <laughs> there's always a guy in there." <laughs> it's funnier if you see it. That's funny. <laughs> that, no, no, I got the joke describing it. I, I still want to see it though. Um, so, um, additionally at the DC fandom, we did also get a trailer for the Peacemaker television show. Um, did you guys get a chance to look at it? I did not. Can't wait for Eagly. Yeah. It's basically James Gunn 
unhinged on a TV show for, you know, however many hours it is. <laughs> it just looks fun and bizarre. Way more uh, fun than that, like, preview trailer they did where he just walked into, like, the restaurant and, like, they had oh, a yeah, yeah, no, Like, there's way more fun stuff going on in this trailer. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Neat. Especially his yeah. eagle. I'll like, be Dad, watching it. Dad, get a picture. He's hugging me. Dad? <laughs> yeah. Um. And um, got two more pieces of news. Um, we've got our Munsters, uh, three of our Munsters cast for the Rob Zombie Munster uh, remake coming our way. Is um, one of Sherry Moon Zombie? Yes, one of them is Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> she is playing Lily. <laughs> um, and Herman will be played by Jeff Daniel Phillips, who played uh, Seymour Coffins in Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Jeff Daniels. And Jeff Daniel <laughs> Phillips. <laughs> I would love Herman Munster to be sitting so, on a news panel going, we're not the greatest country on earth. <laughs> is Rob Zombie writing the script for this? Yes, he is. Ugh. <laughs> it's going to be PG. You know it's going to be PG, Ryan. I can't wait for Herman Munster to be like, yo, Lily, back, back that sweet ass up here so I can stick my bolt into it or whatever dumbass thing Rob Zombie has them say. When he has sex with her, he goes, die, 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 die. <laughs> um, uh, he makes visually cool movies, and I think he's a good filmmaker. As a script writer, he's fucking garbage. You know what? I disagree, and I am looking forward to the Monsters reboot. Additionally, Wait, what Herman... script of his is great? What script of his is great? Um, you know what? I like the script for Halloween, too. I like the idea of it possessing uh, moments yeah. of PTSD. Yeah, but the the acting and the performances and the dialogue are garbage. Mm, I I don't fully agree with you. Um, Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem's got a good script behind it. Mm, sure. <laughs> People keep giving him money for reasons, right? <laughs> yeah, because he makes movies that make money because yeah. they look cool. I think they're fun. I think they're good. He's but, like um, Zack Snyder, huh? No, Zack, uh, I, Zack Snyder doesn't write, first of all. Second of all, he, they need to teach him about editing tools, but that's just my opinion. Um, if you like him, I get it. Uh, also, Daniel Roebuck will be playing Grandpa. Um, Daniel Roebuck from The Fugitive and U.S. Marshals. He's also been in a bunch of Rob Zombie stuff. So that's uh, that's th- those are your three main leads, and their photo looks pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, they look like they're about to uh, spook up the neighborhood, as it were. Um, and the last news is the best news, which Ryan sent to me. Um, a long time ago in 1981, we were promised uh, a teaser for a movie called History of the World Part Two, that would see a Viking funeral, Hitler on ice, and Jews in space. Uh, all things that come from the madcap mind of Mel Brooks and his comedy team. And now we are getting History of the World Part Two as a variety sketch series on Hulu. So... Uh, the um, this is interesting. Uh, Brooks said in a statement, I can't wait once more to tell the real truth about all the phony baloney stories the world has been conned into believing our history. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna look for this on Hulu. Um, they have um, uh, I, I, Ryan, I, I have a feeling this is gonna be like the closest we'll ever get to Mel redoing the Sid Caesar show. <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see if they actually push the envelope like the first one did. But 
I hope it's funny. I mean, they're putting it on Hulu and they're getting, um, they've got Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, Ike Barinholtz, David Strassen, and Kevin Salter on board. I'm very confident. I'm very confident. I'm just very excited that Mel Brooks is back behind his typewriter for something. So um, it's going to begin. Production begins in the spring of 2022. Ryan, I think we need to crash those auditions and get cast somehow. Done. Yeah. You and I can totally be in a Mel Brooks thing. Yeah. We're super funny guys, right? Uh, and anyway, that's news. Nope. 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 Uh, <laughs> Disney has uh, shifted most of their calendar the next year. Yeah, Indiana Jones getting a full year push, and then Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Thor are all getting like three to six months. Oh, later. Okay. and the Marvels. And the Marvels, and then uh, the Nazi uh, strike has found a deal, but people aren't happy with it. So, yeah, it hasn't been ratified yet, so it's not it's not a done deal until it gets ratified. So, and frankly, not all their conditions were met. So, hopefully, they voted down because they deserve that it's there's there's more that needs to be done in that deal but uh, and the marvel stuff isn't really that surprising because they're still filming it and um you know indiana jones had to shut down for a little bit because harrison ford got hurt so again what did he do this time <laughs> no, was just, hurt. he got he hurt his shoulder last year and oh gotcha, gotcha. i know that mangold filmed around him but he just started back on set. So I don't think it could have made its, uh, um, yeah. So I just think that they're just not going to have it done in enough time. Gotcha. He, I was, I was worried that he tried to fly another vehicle of some kind and he crashed again. That was my concern. So, or like JJ Abrams accidentally nearly decapitated his leg again. So, um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, look for all those in uh, a little bit more timeline. Meanwhile, so what? After Spider-Man, we're waiting again for Marvel product? Yeah, I think till the summer. What are we getting I next? I think uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness is the first one. I think it's in June. Mm, okay. I think it's moving to May. May or June, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But they, I mean, there's, I know they started filming it after spider-man and spider-man just wrapped in like january so i don't think they have time to get it done that's fair all right well uh here's hoping we uh get these sooner rather than later and that's news yeah multiverse of madness is may 6th i guess and like also, and one more piece of news is that Fox Searchlight has canceled its production of uh, Jane Austen's Persuasion. No! Netflix is Brian, put down producing... the gun. You have so much to live for. Uh, <laughs> Not Corinne, anymore, I don't. Corinne, you got that wrong. It's called Searchlight Pictures. See, Fox no longer exists because Disney eradicated an entire studio's history. So Fox never existed anymore. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care because the only one I care about is the one that Henry Golding is going to be in, and that's the one that Netflix is producing. So we're still we're we're a okay people. Will you snake eyes? <laughs> do you think you'll be able to persuade Ryan to watch Persuasion? No. Okay. If there's nothing else opening that week. 
All right. Well, we're going to shuffle the calendar to make sure Ryan has to watch Persuasion. <laughs> Getting on the phone. Really with glad now. Uh, Brad talked me off that ledge, too. Yeah. Ryan, we're, we're, Ryan for we're, you. We're, we're glad Thanks. you're going to be okay. <laughs> I have so given much. up all hope on persuading Ryan to do anything for his own good. It's fine. We've, we've, he won't technically... watch Ted Lasso. He won't watch Crazy Rich Asians. So I'm, no, I'll watch Ted Lasso because Brad told me to. Yeah, I, I, I finally I got him close. He's almost there. Oh, well, if you're doing it because Brad told you to, then I take back my offer of watching a horror movie. Corinne, I've been negotiating that deal with you, not Ryan. No, I told Ryan that if he watched Ted Lasso, I would watch a horror movie of his choice. Okay. With some caveats. Okay, how about this? So not already... really of my choice. It's of your choice. I mean, almost <laughs> any situation. horror movie. Okay. Corinne, how about this? Because I've got another person who's recommended this to me too, so I might as well take the plunge based on two recommendations. I, I mean, I was going to do this anyway, but I'll expedite this. I will watch Fruit ba- Fruits Basket if you watch a Friday the 13th movie of my choice. Wait, like which... Okay, first of all, which Fruits Basket? And if you're talking the 2019 one, are you watching all three seasons? I'll do all of it. I'll start at the very beginning before even 2019. Okay, I, that's an offer I will take. Okay, there you go. And I will start I'll start you off right with Ryan's favorite in the series. I only have to watch one, right? I mean, we're hoping that you get addicted. First taste is free. <laughs> yeah, and no fast forwarding through the kills. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, nope, that's the thing, correct? I won't fast forward Cr- through the kills. I will watch the entire thing. Credits. You have to enjoy the bloodletting. No putting your hands over your eyes. I've got to watch it with her on Discord, so then that way I make sure she's actually paying attention. <laughs> I don't even know what Discord is. It's a way you can watch things together. This is a bunch of apps to that. Anyway, change fine. the format so- of the show just to bartering, <laughs> like deals and concessions on what to watch. Okay, so my next deal is Brad. I will watch five hundred um, uh, different DC things if you will watch one Jack Benny movie. Uh, that sounds like a bad deal because I don't think there's 500 DC things. Okay. Um, what about five DC things <laughs> for a Jack Benny program? For one Jack Benny movie? No, I'm making you do a movie. If I'm gonna do... <laughs> Jack Benny movie. Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you the good one, the one I made Ryan watch. <laughs> Which he ended up loving it. it. Oh yeah, no, the movie's great. I mean, it is like 86 minutes long, so. All right, deal. All right, that's it. So <laughs> you, I'm watching. You have to watch. Uh, let me think. You have to watch the losers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never. I have never seen the losers. You have to watch all DC movies from the 90s. <laughs> oh fuck! Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wait, yeah. all of, all DC movies from the 90s. What does that entail besides? Oh, no, five, five. All five oh. years are DC movies. So you got to watch Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Um. Gosh, what else? That woman was two thousands, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? Extend it out to twenty ten, so I can get some of the bad ones too. (laughs) Yeah, Jonah Hex, (laughs) Jonah Hex, Catwoman. Hey, does that technically include Mask of the Phantasm? That's a good one, though. Uh, He's trying to he's trying to make me suffer for this for this. Oh, uh, with the steel. Oh, steel. Shoot. That's right. 
He's going to watch Batman yeah. Phantasm and then. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Deal. It's, it's settled. All right. V- virtual all... handshake. Yep. Virtual handshake. Ah, sucker. Um, I'm going to wear sunglasses, you idiot. <laughs> Speaking of which, this is stuff we watch throughout the week. I hate Brad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Corinne, what'd you watch? <laughs> Um, so I'll talk about three things. I uh, watched the most recent episode of Hanyo no Yashihime. And oh boy, That's not an it anime, was... is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, I didn't know. Wow, surprise, surprise. Um, only anime I'll talk about this week also. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was crazy. We got a pretty big flashback sequence to kind of the backstory on the parents of our main characters and how um, you know, some shenanigannery went down and the main antagonist lady is like a complete bitch and I cannot wait until she dies. Oh, I just want, I, w- I mean, I'll be fine with the decapitation as long as it's her head rolling around on the ground because she's just, she's a hoe and I hate her so much. She oh my was gosh. a hoe. Faux show. And then we also got a pretty major um, revelation that was kind of hinted at before, but we just didn't know the mechanics of it. Um, but like two of the main antagonists are kind of like connected, and now we now now we know how. And uh, so we got in the preview for next week looks awesome, and I'm just so excited. It, this, it's so great to have this show back, especially now that Ted Lasso is off the air. So just gives me something to look forward to every week. And then. I also have watched the new Hulu show, Only Murders in the Building. I binge watched that in like a day. Um, It's pretty fun. Um, I think the season finale is like tonight or tomorrow. So I'll definitely watch that. The premise is that there are these, well, these three people who live in this big building, um, Steve Martin's character, Martin Short's character, and Selena Gomez's character. um, They all are huge fans of this like crime podcast uh true crime podcast and while they all like um they happen to get um like they get kicked out of their building during a fire alarm and so they all meet up and they happen to like oh wait we all like the same podcast and they're talking about it and they go back to their building and they find out somebody's been murdered bun, bun, bun. and so then they start a podcast around them trying to solve the supposed murder because the police think it was suicide and you know they start to really delve into the history of the guy who was murdered and a lot of the drama surrounding that and how he has connections to other people in the building and they leave you on quite a cliffhanger um so i'm really excited for the season finale this week uh should be pretty good have you guys seen murder in the building or only murders Uh -uh. in the building not yet but i do want to see it yeah, so they um, they actually open the show with a flash forward to something that's going to happen presumably at the end of the finale tonight. And they hint like, oh, another person might have been murdered, but you don't know who it is. They don't know why or anything like that. So you're, you know, already you're just trying to figure out like everything that's going on in the show. And it's a lot of fun. And the performances are pretty good. <laughs> Martin Short, man, he is he really kills it in the show. He gets a lot of really good material to work with. I figured Steve Martin would get like equally good material, but I, I think we haven't seen a lot of those kind of bigger character moments until later in the season. 
And I, I guess they just weren't as juicy. I think Martin, Martin Short got more to work with right off the bat. So, yeah, it's pretty good. I would recommend it. It's on Hulu, only murders in the building. And then the last thing I'll talk about is I went to see The Last Duel this week or last weekend, and it's really, really good. I liked it a lot. And I'm really sad to see that it had all a $5 million opening weekend because I guess nobody went to see it except me and the three other people in my theater on Thursday night. You gave them $4 million for one (laughs) ticket? That's insane, Corinne. Why did you do that? I didn't do it because I have the Regal Unlimited Pass, so it must have been all those other saps who paid a million bucks each. Ah, I see. Those four idiots. Gotcha. No, Mm -hmm. this movie looks good. I want to see it. Oh, it's it's so good. I don't want to say too much because it'll spoil it. You don't? That's against your MO. I know, right? It's so powerful that you can't. I, I want people to see it, and I don't want them... Because, I mean, I saw the trailer, but then you get through, like, the opening sequence and then something happens that gives you, it like, a really big idea of, like, okay, this is how the movie is going to be structured the rest of the way. And let's just say I'm really glad that I watched a movie for Catching the Classics recently because that comes into play watching this movie. So... Maybe you are. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, but I don't want to say it in case people are not. Whatever. Anyway. Nope. It's pretty vague. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I hope. Hopefully, you guys get to watch it, and we can talk about it in some spoilery discussions. But great acting. Um, just like the the writing of the sh- of the movie is just excellent, and the outcome um is really brutal and. Yeah, it's just so ah, powerful, like emotionally. And it, you know, it was one of those movies that really stuck with me and has made me think, you know, all throughout the weekend of like, oh, yeah, like, what would I do in this situation? And I really liked how they addressed that. And hmm, as a writer, would I have done anything differently? Things of that nature. So those are like the best kind of movies, I think. So, yeah, no, anyway. it's one I definitely want to see uh, Ridley Scott and historical epics are are good stuff to see mm-hmm. <laughs> lots of sword and sandals yep yeah you, you would like it ryan a guy dies getting shot with a flaming arrow in the eyeball fuck yeah <laughs> he did that just for you ryan ridley was like you know what he's gonna knock this <laughs> i feel like Love. he just made the whole movie like just for me except that you know adam well if that had been the case adam driver would have been like the other guy <laughs> i don't know it's like dang it if he had made for if he had made the movie for me it would have been ben affleck in all the roles so <laughs> oh he, his character is a complete douchebag in the movie it's like i've he, heard he steals the movie um with his scenes so yeah he, he I mean, like he's really good but you just hate his character i mean he, you love to hate him he's just one of those kind of assholes right gotcha hmm Maybe an Oscar nomination for Mr. Affleck again. We'll see. Yeah, like the first third, you're like, okay, well, he's kind of a, you know, uh, don't really like him too much. And then the second third, you're like, no, I hate him. Like, it went from mm, kind of like indifferent dislike to, no, I just completely hate his guts, at least for me. Anyway, but yeah. I hope you all get to watch it so that we can talk about it more in depth. I was gonna and I plan it. to see it again. 
I was going to watch cool. it, but then I watched Halloween Kills twice. Okay. <laughs> That's your prerogative. No, he made the right. He made he made a good choice. I wish I could have done his choice. Anyway, that's all I've been watching. Zach, all right. I watched a couple things. Um, I uh, after our episode last week, the day after, I uh, sat back down with Bud Abbott and Lou Castillo meet Frankenstein. Um, It's a perfect movie. There's like nothing wrong with that movie in any way, shape, or form. It's an amazing film. Um, I I think that with most of those screenings of any Bud and Lou movie, I'm paying attention to the comedy. I think this is one of the first times where I was really kind of soaking in a lot of the horror atmosphere that the movie has. Um, the the greatest slash goofiest thing in that movie is that Dracula can drive a speedboat. Um, so it's really cool watching uh, Bella Lugosi drive a speedboat. Um, but I love, I love, 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 love the ending of that film where you have spoilers for an 80 year old movie, um, where, uh, Wolfman, uh, tosses Dracula out and just like dives with him together in the sea, like over that cliff. Like, it's amazing that the movie for all of its comedic intent, like in any other instance, this would have been like this perfectly executed monster movie where you had everybody in there jamming around, with just some of the choreography alone, like it just, it's just got some great in a, uh, moments of inspiration about it. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, I highly recommend you do that. Um, Ryan, it's a classic. It is. He also in Ryan and I can attest to this cause we have them. The, uh, their other monster movies are just as fun. Um, they're not as great as this one, but, um, I like, I like Invisible Man a lot. I'm not a big fan of Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's okay. I think it's it's fun, but it's just I I just I don't like the way the mummy looks in it because it literally just looks like a fucking pajama, <laughs> like a pair of pajamas. <laughs> um, uh, but it's still fun. You still get to see their bits in it. Um, and then I did a Val Luton double bill the other night, uh, watching Isle of the Dead and the Body Snatcher. So Karloff and Luton teaming up. Isle of the Dead just gets better and better the more I go back to it. And I've watched it a lot this year, especially for Ballyhoo Prep. And it's it's just so fucking perfect in every feasible way, shape, and form. Body Snatcher's the same. Um, it kind of got me down on a Burke and Hare rabbit hole that I never really chose to go down before and just kind of reading up on the real history behind that and Robert Louis Stevenson's book. And just the the performance of Karloff in the body snatcher and specifically his face off with Lugosi for the one scene that they do together is just magical. Um, and that's the last film they did together. And it's just like, even up to the last time they worked together, like the tension and the conflict is there. Like those two just worked so well off of each other. Um, and then uh, I did a bunch of movies yesterday. I did, f- I think five films all told within the horror slash thriller realm um first i rewatched psycho with film club uh it was a lot of fun uh some folks on it hadn't seen it before so it was interesting watching their reactions to the movie um some of them like literally not calling the ending a mile away so it's 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 interesting how however known that property is it's still because because it's not an up-to-date product, there are some people who literally still don't know the ending of Psycho. So I just find that eternally hopeful for people to get... That's kind of awesome, though, if you ask I, me. It, yeah, it is. I, I, 
you know, like we were, we were commenting about like, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I've only seen this for the first time. And I'm in like this, this age. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like the movies are going to be there for you when you get there. Like there's no shame in uh, getting to a movie late. Like Ryan, you got to, to be or not to be at uh, like, not in your twenties. Right. You know, like, (laughs) you know, like there's no, there's no limit on when you can watch a movie and when you can enjoy it. Like it's, it's the beautiful thing about the art form. Um, and, uh, and then I, uh, went to my friend Matt and Brian's house and we did a triple bill. First, we did the ghost breakers with Bob Hope and Paulette Goddard. Uh, that movie's still fun. Um, it had been a while since I'd seen it and I'd forgotten about, uh, the, uh, African-American stereotypes strewn about that movie. Uh, it's not great. There's great moments in the movie though. Um, and, you know, sussing out the context. Once you do that, you can still enjoy the movie. I think it's, it's just, it can be tough at times. Um, and then we watched supernatural. I showed them that for the first time. Um, Ryan, that movie bumped up another star in my letterbox Cause that movie is just so fucking cool. <laughs> and I, I keep on hoping it's going to show up in my random movie generator. Oh, <laughs> it, but the, here's the thing. Cause I had this problem with another film on my watch list. It technically, I guess, would be considered a thriller. Yeah. But it's got horror adjacent imagery in it. So that's why I would consider it a horror movie. Um, but and also that music is not thriller music. That music at the beginning is horror music. There are there's wailing choruses. And then open, I love the opening theme to Supernatural. It is fucking perfect. <laughs> Um, and also she's got the death grip. She she crushes all kinds of metal cups. And when she gets a glass cup in her hand, she's like, I can't crush glass. So I'm just gonna strangle this fucker. <laughs> um uh so yeah, supernatural's great. Watch it. It's great. It's only an hour and five minutes, it won't take up much of your time. Um and then we man-made monster. Uh this is an early uh outing from Mr. Lon Chaney Jr. before the Wolfman. And um the movie, how do I describe it to people? I, I'd seen it once before. It had been a while. And so I was, I forgot how schlocky it is, but it's a lot of schlock fun for me. Uh, Lionel, at, so the story involves Lion, Lon Chaney Jr. plays a guy who does an electrical act at the carnival where he like shoves his fingers into sockets and withstands electricity. That's his shtick. And he survives a car crash that uh, uh, is uh, f- further amplified by the car running into an electrical tower. So he survives a huge electrical attack. Um, and he finds himself in the arms of two doctors living out somewhere. One of them played by Lionel Atwill and Lionel Atwill starts doing tests on him by giving him massive doses of electricity to the point where Lon Chaney becomes an addict to electricity and at one point he gives him so much that he becomes a literal electric man. And the effect is literally just Lon Chaney's hands and arms glowing. So there's just a glowing effect overlaid on it. Kind of like for the invisible man, Ryan, instead of removing something, they're adding something onto him. Uh, and the movie kind of plays out like how I would imagine a Marvel movie would have um, for something gone wrong. Like in, in another world, this script becomes about him being a superhero instead he's just like a frankenstein monster but with electrical powers uh movies like really like i said really schlocky very cheesy uh but it's a lot of fun it's i i had a lot of fun re-watching it with them 
so if you haven't seen man-made monster it's only an hour so it won't take up much of your time and it's a good way to sneak some stuff into your uh watch bill there uh then i rewatched shutter island um which is uh has a lot of uh horror imagery adjacent to it and um that movie gets better for me every time I rewatch it. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I, I did enjoy going back to it and watching some of the set design and play out. And the sound design in that movie in particular is, uh, I don't think I'd ever really fully paid attention to it before, but the sound design is incredible in that movie. Like it's, it's a, it's a loud fucking movie. Um, and then the last thing that I watched um, for today's, Horror entry is I rewatched The Cat and the Canary from 1939 with Bob Hope and Paulette Goddard as well. This movie is way better than The Ghostbreakers. Um, it's a remake of The Cat and the Canary by Paul Lenny, which was also remade into a sound film that no longer exists. Uh, this is a comedic version of it. Uh, in it, um, a group of a group of estranged relatives show up at a house on the 10th anniversary of their great uncle's death. Um, and Paulette Goddard is given uh, the the inheritance to the entire fortune. But if she is to be driven mad or if she is to be murdered, then it goes to a, another next to kin who is held in a secret envelope. And the movie becomes about people trying to avoid um, uh, Paulette Goddard being murdered in the house by either somebody who wants the, the fortune or from an escaped convict who's wandering around their estate um, and the big key comedy element of it is you have Bob Hope and a lot of the characters are over exaggerated so that it creates the comedic com- comedic capers, but the movie is shot really well and gives off, off a really wonderful horror vibe in the process. Um, it, I think it's one of those horror comedies of the early era before an Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. That's really, really working to have it both ways. They want their gothic imagery as sincere as possible, but you also have Bob Hope running around and doing his shtick. Uh, it's a it's a marriage of the two that works wonderfully. So if anybody hasn't seen The Cat and the Canary, I recommend that before you watch The Ghostbreakers. Um, and again, with Ghostbreakers, it comes context. But anywho, that's all I watched this week. Cool. Brad? Pretty much the only thing I watched revolves around this horror movie challenge, and I'm running away with it. You're you're an asshole. <laughs> I am an asshole. Yours um, are yours are so bullshit. How do I know you actually watched <laughs> all these movies? <laughs> uh, you know, I thought about that. You don't, uh, but I, I, I swear because I have. According to your letterbox list, I'm just going to point this out. You've only watched 68 percent of them. <laughs> what? That's that's what it says. The eyeball says 68 percent. Only because I didn't hit like the watched part of the the. Uh, entry oh, system so how convenient. it's recorded but i didn't press the button ryan are you saying that by default i'm technically running away with it then because brad's not doing letterbox correctly i don't even know what to believe anymore i thought i believed in love but i don't but know you're, you're married with a kid stop it <laughs> exactly huh, that's weird my oh. my list says 100 percent, and i'm at uh 29 so uh, I think hmm. everyone doesn't know how to use Letterboxd. What's everybody's yeah, total so far? 29. You're 29, Ryan? Uh, I don't remember. Keep talking about what you watch, Brad. I'll let you know. Yeah, so uh, I'm an asshole, and that starts with me rewatching The Sixth Sense for the first time since 99. And hmm. uh, it. At 20. Me, you're 20? Yeah. You're stepping I'm up. at 21. 
Uh, yeah, Sixth Sense, uh, it reminded me of a thought I had the first time I watched it, which was that I wish the movie was just Bruce Willis and Cole uh, teaming up to solve uh, murders. Because <laughs> I forgot that part, and I thought that was the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's only like five or ten minutes of it, maybe, yeah, 15. Because the rest of it is just uh, Bruce Willis trying to get Cole comfortable with like helping the ghosts and understanding like and why air they're haunting him <laughs> conditioning i know it's always cold in there <laughs> um but uh yeah uh so it was better than i remember but uh yeah i was kind of like man i really wish the movie was this part of the movie for an hour and a half because that's really like the, the scene that had the most impact to me um then i watched uh for the first time child's play two and three and two's pretty fun. Like the climax um, in the toy, toy warehouse is, is cool. Yeah, I like um, uh, the melted Chucky look. Yeah, and like all the good guy dolls stacked around, and you can clearly, yeah. like they do that running away thing that, like, I forget, is it Andrew and his adopted sister are running mm-hmm. through? Andy and Kyle. Andy and Kyle, and they're just like, it's the same path. <laughs> they just like recycled the footage. Um, <laughs> do <laughs> yeah, and then uh, seen it in a minute, but um, I actually like it's too bad. Like just thinking of that climax and how sequels are supposed to be like bigger and better than the one before it. Like if there's only some way to the 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 logic of or the like the what is it the rules of Chucky that he if only he could soul jump into all those other dolls. Oh, that would be sweet. That would have been like an amazing, like they're avoiding all those dolls. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I can, I can see in 1990, like having a bunch of animatronic. Like it's tough to just do one Chucky doll, but to like make a whole room full of them, it would probably be like. Blow yeah, I love that idea. So I was kind of just wanting that, but other than that, it's like everything leading up to it is kind of bleh. Um. No wait, I should have 21. I forgot to add a movie onto mine. Hmm. Still eight behind. I know. Fuck. <laughs> Guess I won't sleep tonight. Yep. Uh, Child's Play 3. Uh, same thing again. Chucky comes back and he terrorizes a uh, military school. Yep. Yep. No Tom Cruise there, though. <laughs> yeah. I uh, would I would pay good money to watch Tom Cruise fight that doll. <laughs> anybody? Taps joke? Nope. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 for the first time. And that was a lot different from the, I've only seen the 2003 Chainsaw Massacre and like the 2013 one that I would even consider like <laughs> a Chainsaw Massacre movie. So you've never seen the original 74 one? Not yet. No. Oh, okay. And it's like, I'm watching most of these on Peacock because they're doing Peacocktober. And so they're like free to stream. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So they've got the 2003 one, but not the 74 one. And, and like every other one, like even the most recent Leatherface. You could probably get um, uh, 74 on another streaming service like a Prime or something. So Yeah. Or if you remind me, I, um, I can let you borrow it. Yeah. Like right now, I just have Hulu and this to choose from. So, uh, But yeah, that's way goofier and sillier. Uh, I, I was telling Ryan when we went to see Halloween that uh, the woman in the movie, who, like it seems like the most annoying part of it was like how much she screams and shakes throughout the entire runtime. Like almost <laughs> yeah. like... Toby Hooper made her do 50 takes and they used like the 40th or 45th one she, where she's just tired of doing it 
and she's putting like every last ounce of enthusiasm into the take that she can because they she bur- like burned out way earlier and just like yeah and then like i'm the uh the it ends but there, i don't think there was a resolution to the uh, dennis hopper leatherface fight like they're just in the middle of it it cuts away to the girl and her thing with bill mosley both and then collapse the under the weight of the they both collapse under the weight of the uh, of the of the terrain falling on them i mean i guess i missed I, that yeah like i i was so like not into it that i just missed that part so it ended i was like did was there a resolution to that fight did like the thing collapse or what but you know obviously didn't end there so well the main conflict at the end by the end point because it is hopper fighting leather yeah chainsaw fight. is yeah yeah chop top versus um uh, for versus um the gal is uh the the main uh uh crux of the ending of that movie because then she goes insane and then she wields a chainsaw and she wears a mask and all kinds of wonderful yeah and then and the movie's like feels super short because it's only like two or three scenes like there's the guys with the truck in the beginning who don't know enough to just take their foot off the gas um and then there's like the radio station and then there's like the layer at the end it's like wow not a lot going on in this movie uh the next new thing i watched was 1988 the blob which is okay mm-hmm. but the really impressive part was the effects like all the body horror stuff that they do in it where the blobs are oh, yeah. people awesome. was, like amazing yep like really terrifying looking stuff um but yeah it's just a it's a blob that the military engineer and they uh treat it like it was a alien from outer space and it terrorizes a town kills most everybody yep uh then i watched prom night for the first time the 1980 version and movie's okay <laughs> yeah it's, it's just like uh, a couple friends are mean to this girl and it, it ends up leading to her falling out a window and then i had no idea she had a brother <laughs> like that's just like completely out of left field like there's barely any setup there's a shadow that sets it up i guess um, yep but yeah the whole time you're just watching these kids talk about going to prom and then they get ready for it and leslie nielsen's in it because i guess surely you can't be serious and he doesn't i at one point i thought he was the killer because i thought he was the dad of the girl who died but i thought they like the girl was related to jamie lee it was so confusing and then there's just like a splatter fest at the end and it's like oh it was this person who i don't think i don't remember being introduced to (laughs) so yeah yeah. it's okay (laughs) yeah and i guess the only cool part is that like they do the there's the van where the nerdy kid like takes the girl out to the woods and there's like a guy like the killer is hanging on the van and they're doing like these donuts or whatever in the grass and like stunt persons jumping in and out of the doors like that's impressive so yeah i give props there like that's not an easy thing um and then uh i decided to i was lazy i own saw but it was on peak october so i was like i was throwing saw and watch that and then the next thing i knew i ended up watching one and then three because it did that autoplay and i was like where's two but i've watched two a bunch of times so i just let it slide and then i watched three four five and six which i haven't watched that much and uh yeah they're just kind of like all it's amazing for like a four to five year span they all have this like consistent production quality for something that was like planned out ahead of time but uh overall like the characters aren't as interesting after jigsaw dies you know yeah I, i always thought hoffman was really boring yeah like it starts out being like oh he's 
I don't know, part of the jigsaw plan, but the, like he really quickly is just doing his own, like he has his own agenda and it's like not as altruistic as jigsaw and uh yeah i don't know it's just uh the effects are pretty cool but that that's i've talked about saw a ton so i'll move on oh yeah the and the i watched the the remy malik saturday night live was great uh daniel craig makes a guest appearance in it and that was a ton of fun so if you check out yeah, that I was episode watching, again. yeah i was watching clips this morning too and uh man i like a lot of the sketches but i think the one where they did the celebrity game show thing. Yeah. That was probably the funnest one <laughs> to see Rami Malik and Pete Davidson doing impressions of each other. Yeah. And then like that... all the other cast members getting to do like Adam Driver and Melissa Phyllis and you're doing her Kristen Wig. Yeah. That and the Squid Game parody. That was fun. Yeah. Like across the board, they were like, all pretty good. Um, like his. Uh, for a guy who mostly does dramatic stuff, like his opening monologue was really funny, and uh, you know the making fun of the NFL in the cold open was great, and then that mattress store thing, the couple testing out the mattresses was fantastic. So yeah, just a ton of fun sketch comedy. So yep, Brian, what did you watch? Um, I watched um, Halloween four and five in Ultra HD. Um, it's really cool. You can see uh. Michael Myers' hair change a lot in the when it's in Ultra HD. <laughs> I always thought it was weird in Halloween four, his mask goes from blonde into uh the normal like brown color for the hair. It's like a total oversight by the production. <laughs> um four is still, I think, a really great sequel. Five kind of screws the pooch, where they had a great idea and then they decided to just forego it for some reason. Um they look great in ultra HD. It's always fun seeing movies that I never thought I'd see in the format in the format. Um, I watched uh, hush, which is only on Netflix, but it's a movie by Mike Flanagan, who went on to do Dr. Sleep and Gerald's game and uh, house on haunted Hill house on Bly, the manor on Bly. Um, and uh, he just did midnight mass and it's a really cool little thriller. It's about a woman who is a writer and she lives by herself and kind of in the country and she's deaf. So she can't hear. And while she is preparing dinner, um, her neighbor is brutally murdered uh, outside by some unknown assailant. And um, so there's some pretty great scenes of him stalking her throughout the house and her trying to figure out how to beat someone when she has a disability and can't hear. Um, it's really cool. It's really short. I think it's like 81 minutes long, something like that. Um, so it moves really quickly. It takes place in one location. Um, and yeah, if you like uh, thrillers and um, I mean, it is pretty gory too, but um, it's uh, it's really well done. Uh, Mike Flanagan is one hell of a horror director. Yeah. Um, have you watched Doctor Sleep yet? No, no. I, I keep on meaning to, but I, I'm I'm really not a fan of The Shining. So, well, then good news. This movie isn't The Shining. <laughs> it's also like two and a half hours long, so it's a bit of a commitment. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can watch it in sections, like people do The Irishman for some reason. <laughs> uh, I watched The Final Girls, which is, um, kind of a last action hero, but 
for 80 slasher films. Um, it's about this young girl named Max and her mom is famous for being in a horror film called Camp Bloodbath. Uh, the mom played by Malin Ackerman, um, Ackerman, and she uh, um, she dies at the beginning. And so they go to a screening of her film called Camp Bloodbath. While they're there, a fire breaks out and they go into the screen. And then so they're sucked into this world. And it's a really fun take on it. Um, the only thing I bummer is it's a PG-13 movie for a slasher movie which sometimes might work. Um, so it, sometimes it loses its punch, but there is a great little message and um, a chance to say goodbye to your mom, even though she's not her mom because she's a character in a film. Um, it's a beautiful film too, though. It's shot really well. Uh, lots of colors. Um, very interesting. If you haven't seen the final girls, I highly recommend it. Um it might even be a horror film Corinne likes because it's not violent. Well, it's violent, but it's not over the top and gory. Um, Which one is this? It's called The Final Girls. Is it on like Netflix or something? Oh, I don't know. I own it, so I don't. I don't know. Um, it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of. Uh, it's funny, and it's it's. Uh, but yeah, it's like a slasher film with heart. You can find um, it, uh, Corinne, on Tubi for free, and you can also find it via a premium subscription on Hulu. Hmm. All right, I can let you borrow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I watched the Invisible Man, uh, the 2020 Invisible Man. That movie's still really, 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 really good. Um, you know, I forgot; I haven't seen it in a while. But uh, all the tension that is built throughout the film. Um, especially the opening where she's trying to escape an abusive boyfriend and all the stuff that he did to her and how people don't necessarily believe the victim in issue uh, in cases like this. Uh, It's a really fascinating look at uh, the invisible man because the only constant theme in every invisible man film is the invisible man is a bastard. And this one is a uh, pretty sinister bastard at this one. Um, It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. And uh, the last thing I watched was Dracula Untold, um, which I've actually had kind of a soft spot for this film. I think it's kind of interesting to go back to uh, the fighting of um, Transylvanians and the Turks and kind of a military setting and the reason for Vlad to become Dracula is kind of cool. He does it to protect his uh, country and by becoming a vampire, he becomes kind of um, unbeatable. And uh, I don't know. I always thought it was a really interesting take on the legend of Dracula. Um, Yeah. I I remember liking it a lot. Yeah. I mean, some of the things don't always work again. It's PG 13. I think kind of takes away some of the visceralness of it. Um, I'd love to see them actually just fully embrace being you know an evil vampire but i get it and charles dance is really good in it he's kind of the vampire lord and he's really good at being sinister and there's something about his voice that he um adds a lot of weight to everything he says um so yeah it's a fun film and that's what i watched this week for my spooktacular and i gotta find a way to beat you motherfuckers um I have the uh, tally thus far, if everybody would like to know. 
Um, so Brad um, is in first place with 29. Cheater. Um, I am in second place with 23. Cheater. And Ryan is in third place with 20. Uh, actually, I forgot to put Invisible Man on there. So I think I'm, uh, I just updated it because I forgot to put um, Final Girls or Dracula and um, Invisible Man on there. So I'm at 22. Okay, so 22. So, so I'm still watch... losing. This is bullshit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go watch the uh, Friday the 13th movies back to back. You son of a bee. That'll I'm get gonna me be to... doing the. I'm going to be doing the Halloween movies as well as some additional double bills. So, uh, Ryan. God damn um... you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was reading an article and it was uh, talking about the Halloween films. And the guy who wrote the article also talked about that being his favorite scene in the um, series where uh, Loomis is at the uh, diner in Halloween four and he's pleading with Michael when he sees him to leave people alone in Haddonfield. Michael. <laughs> yeah. It's a great scene. And uh, freaking Donald Pleasance is amazing in that scene. Uh, That's also where they had the first person who was playing um, Michael before they replaced him with George Wilbur. Um, yep. <laughs> it's it's, weird. Uh, you could tell the kind of size difference i also that's the scene with the gas station explosion because for some reason there's a big gasoline explosion <laughs> yeah i don't know how it explodes. <laughs> he, i guess the spark happens when the two cars rub against each other and it makes the gas explode i don't know something 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 gas tank something something yep. we need explosion something <laughs> yeah. something mustafa cut <laughs> i love how uh, loomis's scars changes throughout the film too um oh yeah because he's just like this is ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah so this week on real nerds speaking of michael myers we saw uh corinne if you don't want any spoilers you can drop off <laughs> just kidding <laughs> um, oh i don't uh, care we saw halloween kills brad do you recommend halloween kills not really um i mean if you're a fan of these already like you probably saw it already so no point recommending that there but if you you've never watched a halloween movie um if you're only interested in watching people die, then this is that movie. Uh, otherwise, it's pretty uh, empty elsewhere. I mean, there's... no, no, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah, I don't... I, it's it's a mean movie for sure. Um, so if you want visceral violence, uh, it, it achieved that. But everything else, I was pretty bored about. Zach, I'm gonna definitely recommend the movie. Um... It's getting better in my head the more I think about it, and I still need to go back for repeat viewings. Um, as Brad said, it's a mean movie, and I'll double down on that. It's a mean fucking movie. Um, it's um, I get why people might have problems with it after the first reboot. Um, I really appreciated a lot of the ideas they were going for. I don't know if everything is completely perfect, uh, but the through line and the ideas that they play around with that with it in the Halloween franchise are things that they tried before and it didn't work. And I think they found a way for it to be a little bit more cohesive. So yes, I would check it out. Um, everybody's pulling out their a game on the cast wise. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of interesting imagery afoot and uh, I'm very curious about what, what, where the future holds for that third installment based off of what we saw. So, um, but yeah, go ahead and go check it out boys and girls. Uh, actually, I think I liked it more than you two. And I, the more I think about it, the more I think I enjoy it more. I think, um, on well, I said, I loved it and recommend it. I don't understand. 
um, I'm talking about our ratings, but uh, um, gotcha. The uh, the more I think about it, I think there's something uh, more sinister happening in this film that I think got lost in the violence. And we'll talk about it after we play the trailer. But yeah, I would see it if you're if you're a fan of slasher films, I think you should check it out. Here's a trailer for Halloween Kills. Hey, what are you guys doing out here? It's Halloween. We've been trick-or-treating. Are you alone? There's a creepy man in a white mask. Where? And he keeps, like, trying to play hide-and-seek with us. Where did you see him? Look! Run! Go home now! set the fire no one told you <gasps> told me what michael myers is alive a man couldn't have survived that fire <laughs> 40 years ago the boogeyman came for us we are the survivors of michael myers Glory, what do we do we fight mom our family we'll kill him we're gonna hunt him down and we're gonna put an end to this he is not gonna stop killing until we stop him if you track michael's victims that's a straight line to michael's childhood home someone's in our house he's coming for me but I'm coming for him. Uh, Halloween Kills picks up right after Halloween 2018, where the Strode family thinks they have stopped Michael Myers. Um, they have not. He is unleashed um, by uh, the firefighters there to put out the fire. Um, but before even that, we get a flashback. I was actually shocked to 1978 mm-hmm. to uh, Michael's first appearance in Haddonfield. And um, Jim Cummings makes an appearance as a cop again. Um, <laughs> Pete McCabe. <laughs> I, I think he plays a cop in every one of his movies. Um, he's great in uh, The Wolf of uh, Snow Hollow, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of goes a little more into uh, Michael's backstory and the scars that he left on the town that day are never fully healed. And I think this film does a really great job of playing with the trauma that you endure through traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. and how you can never truly heal. And when those experiences per se come back with a vengeance, um, 
how you can easily be persuaded by a mob mentality. Mm-hmm. No, and, I think it's a perfect execution of that. Uh, and we, we, we talked about it. I mean, this movie is fucking mean mm-hmm. and it really fits its, its title. Um, I mean, it's so mean. I know there was a change.org petition to cut out the scene where Michael kills all the firefighters. Oh, um, uh, that, that's a, that's a, that's a dumb petition. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're in there too. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, um, they don't mess around in this film. And it's, it's interesting because it's the first film too, that I've seen that type of Michael Myers mm-hmm. where he, he kills people, but he's never like that mean. Um, and I mean, there's a couple scenes that really stick with me and you guys can always jump into, um, they really play on the fact that he sets or he, um, poses the bodies that started from the first one with, you know, the Judith Meyer gravestone. And well, that uh, thing. when he sticks Bob up on the wall and he does that little look at him, like that little, yeah. yeah. But in this one, I think what the most shocking scene in this, um, to me is when he attacks that old couple mm, mm. and he, um, purposely doesn't kill the wife and then just stabs the husband over and over and leaves the knives in him on the, counter oh, and let her watch his, it, it's his plaything. it's his play yeah. thing it's fucking unsettling it, it's, that is fucking brutal and mm-hmm. and they're just strangers they're, they're like not even people who have wronged him before they're no. within the vicinity of um the uh the the lorry compound so he's making a straight line back to his home yeah and this is uh, i still think to this day and i know this it might be rub Halloween fans the wrong way. I think the best scene in any Halloween film is in from is from 2018. And that's um, on Halloween night where those trick-or-treaters are happening. And it's mm-hmm. just one tracking shot of Michael. And he's just going into random houses and randomly killing people. Yep. I think that's one of the most scary and terrifying scenes in the whole series. Yep. Because there's no rhyme or reason. He's just doing it. Mm-hmm. He's... um. So there's uh, the thing that makes me feel like I'm going to bump this up in my ratings the more I go back to it, Ryan, has to do with the idea that you are talking about. This movie, so the first reboot for me as a Halloween fan was examining Lori trauma in a more elaborate way than H2O did and really focusing on Lori's journey and also getting us back into the mode of Michael being unrelated to Lori. He's just out for a night of trick-or-treating. It's fully established that Sartain unleashes him. So left to his own devices, Michael's not going to give a shit about going back to Lori. Um, He only goes back to Lori because Sartain literally puts him in that direction before he kills Sartain. Um, And so this film is doubling down on that and really hitting home the point of Michael Myers being evil personified. There's a lot of points in this movie where it feels like it's um, a mood piece on Michael Myers. And I appreciate that intent Um, because the biggest plot through line in this movie is the mob led by Tommy Doyle. Um, If there's a big, if there's a point A to point B timeline of where this story is going, it's about the mob that he leads. 
um, and the people he ropes into it. Uh, there is there's something wonderful to be said about that mob mentality and how you can get swooped up in that, how it affects the town of Haddonfield. I love the uh, meditation that both Lori and Hawkins have in the hospital rooms, reflecting on what their obsession with Michael has cost them. Like what, what has it truly done to affect Lori's life, obsessing over the idea that Michael Myers is coming back for her only to realize that Michael was, Michael was going to go kill anything, no matter what. It wasn't about her. It was about anything because he's just a living, breathing monster. And in a lot of ways, this might be the best Halloween movie made in years because of the fact that it is focusing on that idea and not trying to build a lore and not trying to establish some kind of mythology for Myers. It's literally the idea that Carpenter put in that first movie of Michael just being out for a night of trick-or-treating because he finds a way to escape and just going out and killing. He, he's not killing, like we're in spoiler territory now. He kills Karen at the end of this movie. The only reason he kills Karen is because Karen's in his house. The only reason he kills um, uh, the, the Elam boy is because he's in his house. If they were not in that house, he would have been killing them. He's not going after them. Um, so I liked the idea that this movie is presenting this notion that Michael is just, he's just a force. It's, it's ruthless. He doesn't give a shit. He's out to do the only thing he instinctively knows how to do. And I love that there's no explanation for it. They're not trying to explain. They don't need to explain. It's an idea. It's not a, um, it's not like Jason where Jason's, per- I don't know, like Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. Jason's not really protecting Crystal Lake. He's just killing people because he associates it with the teenagers that neglected him. Yeah. Or people just come to Crystal Lake too. I mean, it's, it's the yeah, reboot. Yeah, He's territorial true. for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just kills. But uh, Brad, I know you had some thoughts on why you weren't a fan of it. Um, why don't you share those with us? Uh, yeah, uh, just mostly like the townspeople of Haddonfield are freaking stupid, um, clueless. <laughs> just, um, you know, as if, if it was my experience, I heard like, oh, there's a supernatural serial killer back on the loose. I'd be like, cool, just jump in the car and just go to freaking Kansas or. <laughs> uh cross the canadian border like let's see him catch us like yeah i don't know why people feel compelled to just like stay home um in haddonfield when this stuff happens uh the the people with trauma i get like forming the mob but they're like a terrible mob uh they finally get michael on the ropes and they just beat him with two by fours and sticks like just to decapitate him see how he comes Mm -hmm. back from that yeah you know i i thought about that too um because it's interesting because David Gordon Green mentioned that he was going to take the supernatural element out of this, but there is some sort of supernatural element to Michael Myers because, um, you know, they talk about how Hawkins had an opportunity to stop Loomis from executing him. And it's this weird thing where I don't think you can, because I think he's just evil personified. He's evil on two legs. I don't, I'm guessing there's going to be some explanation because he took so many shots from um, uh, the boyfriend, like point blank from Cameron. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I mean, he kills that fucking kid in a horrible way. 
But to be fair, he takes six shots from Loomis too in the first one. He does, so, and then like four but, more in the mob that kicks his yeah. ass. Yeah, and he takes the knife in the back. I I think they're going to explain it a little bit. But well, I get what like, you're saying. Yeah, like um, we know that. Like we get that because we've seen him kill everybody. But like a lot of those people in the mob have only like heard or been around like a couple murders. And they're not supernatural yeah. murders. They're pretty normal killings. So it's like, you know, they they don't have they have no reason not to try something more severe, you know? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's um it's an interesting thing because it's you know that that mob scene at the end too they when i don't know i don't know what triggers michael to all of a sudden go crazy um and kill everyone mm-hmm. um but he all of a sudden he's dodging stuff and um just like opening people up and friggin uh what's her name um you just said her name uh karen? daughter karen yeah stabs it with a pitchfork in the back and then just like lets it go like i would over and over again through the <laughs> neck on the staircase curb stomp him but no just <laughs> just one stab and she backs off like i guess because she planned to draw him to the mob anyway yeah um, but still like you've got him on the ropes just finish it off don't like don't toy around yeah yeah i, I don't yeah I, you know i always said this too um even with the mob mentality killing someone is a huge step um you know no matter what and I, I, they even though they hate michael myers maybe they don't have the quote-unquote killer instinct that he does well, he's, he's um, like a 40-year boogeyman like who's killed probably what, like 100 people at this point well like in, yeah, movie. Not, in, in, in this timeline he killed his uh, he's already killed his sister the teenagers in 78 and then the body count in reboot, which was not as substantial. This one is where he gets his kill count. So it's less than a uh, hundred, but yes, he's killed enough for people to be fed up with it. A mass murder, right? Like, yeah. It's different than when you're put in that situation. I, if you've seen um, the night stalker documentary on Netflix, um, that, that kind of happens to that serial killer where he is, running from police and then they find out that it's the guy who's a serial killer and the citizens of Los Angeles start just beating the shit out of him, but they never, you know, take that final step. So I don't know. I, I, I there's a big difference from hurting someone to killing someone. <laughs> um, I guess I know it sounds really weird to say, but like Mike Myers um, has a, a rap sheet that's like indefensible, right? Like, yeah. It, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah, I'd say the same thing about the Night Stalker, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I mean, if it was me, I won't let that motherfucker get up. So, yeah, like um, that, like his entire identity is killing people. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, maybe, but don't give that guy a chance to get up. It is, it is. Uh, the the movie is shocking, and I mean, when he starts dispatching the mob too, it's it's shot in a way that's supposed to be kind of poetic, mm-hmm. and um, it's really well done. Uh, I, I think. I, I mean, this might, I mean, John Carpenter's great, but Dave Gordon Green might be the best um, director that's ever done a Halloween movie. Um, um, I wouldn't go that far. I think he's the best one to do it outside of Carpenter, hands down. That's not even a, that's not even a debate to me. Like yeah. he's, he's the only one who's been able to tap into what makes Halloween great. That first one. Great. Um, 
but yeah, the I would see from your point of view, Ryan, how based on how these two have unfolded so far, how you would make a statement like that because it, it is it's impactful. It's an impactful in a way that doesn't necessarily need to be directly tied into that first film. You could literally feasibly start with that first reboot and it works just as well. Um, I will tell you that there, the, I want to go back to Hawkins and Lori for a minute because you were talking about the shot being poetic of him attacking the mob. Um, first of all, uh, Based on the fact that Hawkins is still alive, I wouldn't count out Tommy or Brackett. Um, we can definitely count out Nurse Chambers. She is fucking dead. And <laughs> <laughs> that scene, that scene where she's shooting off those guns, I had visceral reactions of those gun flashes. Like that shit was fucking unnerving. And then when she finally like tries to get him and it's fucking clicks, like it's just, it's brutal. Uh, but Brackett and Tommy. You know, again, like we don't see anything super clear. We have no idea. Um, I'm going to take a guess and say that they're fully dead because I think they're trying to prove some finality. And we just got a report that Halloween ends is going to take place a few years after this. So we're going to be dealing with some consequences from this. The idea of that poetic imagery intercut with Laurie and Hawkins talking about what Michael has done to them and also what Michael is, is some of the best stuff I've ever seen come out of a Halloween franchise element period. If you, even if you remove that first movie, like it's, 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 it's a lot more powerful than I expected it to be. And I'm wondering if the ill reception surrounding it has to do with the fact that they're not wanting that out of this reboot. Um, but the other idea that I loved in this movie, and I thought it was handled very suspensefully, is so in the first Halloween, we have all the patients wandering around the grounds, and the only one who we see escape is Michael. And in the we got all the bu- the prisoners on the bus um, escaping, and they rounded up all but one. I loved the idea of another patient from Smith's Grove wandering around and how the mob would confuse that because of the whole, he never takes off his mask thing. Uh, That moment, those moments in the, in the hospital where she's trying to protect that man, it was, it was so fucking bizarre and great to watch that unfold and to give dramatic heft to the town of Haddonfield going crazy over the paranoia of Michael Myers. Like it's powerful stuff. Um, and when you intertwine that with a bloodbath, like we get, it's, it's amazing how this movie is able to toe the lines it does. And I think in order for it to do that, it has to be a little bit more of a tome poem for Michael Myers than a world building movie. And I love that it goes in that direction. Um, also I'll say the Sam Loomis thing. I thought it was CG. I got a confirmation that it's makeup. That shit's amazing. That makeup is fucking dope. Did he Um, kill again? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like the voice of Loomis. I I am picky when it comes to that. He's not great. I, I, he did fine. uh, But those shots are incredible. I loved the flashbacks. Uh, It was composed in a carpenter style. The look really helped 
with those Loomis moments. Um, I think it was very bold of them to do that kind of Loomis movement um, in a series that is very, very sacred about how you portray Dr. Loomis outside of Pleasance's performance. Uh, and I think they handled it fucking beautifully. Uh, so yeah, it, I think it's a great film. I just, when I walked out of it, I was very, I was unnerved because I guess I wasn't expecting them to go the places that they did. But the more that I thought about it days later, the more I'm like, this movie is a very, very gutsy Halloween movie for where they're going with this direction. I like the themes in the first reboot more, but I do think that these themes are absolutely of value. Um, And and also, it's just a brutal fucking... This is his highest kill count in a single movie. It's insane. Hey, Brad, wasn't it awesome when we were sitting in the theater and someone asked, did they t- not tell you about Michael? And the guy next to you said, no. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to my two horrible experiences watching this movie. Do you? Are you guys telling me that somebody at your screening of Halloween Kills, which I'm assuming was on a Friday, Correct. Yep. And a Saturday. Yeah. By the way, thanks for not inviting me, da- Jackasses. Um, oh, wait, Thursday and Friday. Uh, I went Thursday night. So you, yeah. but you and Ryan went Friday. Thanks for not inviting me. Anyway, uh, you um, went before me, dickhead. <laughs> um, but um, this man had the audacity to heckle a Halloween movie. No, I think they were like drunk because <laughs> and- they were throwing <laughs> back some shots. Yeah. Ryan arrest Ryan. Yeah. You arrest them. That's what you do. You arrest them. <laughs> Yeah. what you do <laughs> but it, it was one of those things where they didn't bother me too much but they're also not doing it constantly but they're doing it enough where it was a distraction they were doing it like intermittently enough that where if you wrote them up like the people would yeah. come in and watch and like it would be a lull and they'd be like oh well this is not worth it and then yeah. as soon as they left they would guarantee they would start talking again so it was like pointless to write them up gotcha. yeah. I um, am ours at the screening I went to um uh the gal that I was with she and I noticed that we were the we weren't the oldest people in the theater but there was a, a proportionate amount of like younger kids there and I suddenly remembered like oh yeah horror films are really popular with teenagers I I had completely forgotten about that whole aspect of the of of the market and they were reacting to the movie they were getting involved in it they were getting terrified it gives me hope for the future of halloween that people still find this concept scary, which I, which is really cool. Cause it means this, the, my favorite franchise can continue. And it's I'm going to continue. That... It made over $50 million this weekend. I know. Hey, Ryan, <laughs> Hey Ryan, let me, let me ask you, um, who's the highest grossing franchise right now? Um, that's still running. <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Technically it'd be MCU. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you, Ryan. Who, who, who's 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 the big money daddy uh, in the horror franchise right now? Uh, um, the Conjuring. No, no, damn it, you're right. <laughs> Shit, guys. Halloween made a lot of money, and I'm very fucking happy about it. <laughs> yep. Um, Good stuff. Yep. Um. Next week is Dune. David Lynch's Dune. Why are we doing a retro review? <laughs> You hate that. Uh, it's Denise Villeneuve, baby. <laughs> ah, Dennis Van Little Ice. <laughs> oh, we're doing Dune? I thought we were doing Fr- French Dispatch. Kidding. We're doing French Dispatch. Are we oh, going to be able sweet. to see it, Brad? No. Uh, 
it depends. Uh, it's it's playing at the Alamo and the Landmark, and I Ooh. I have to imagine Regal or AMC have to have a little bit of it, right? Maybe well, like a few locations, see. maybe not a bunch. I mean, let's be frank. How many movies are out there where they really have a choice? Can I still be Ryan? I mean, I'm only going to watch it at those two places. So, right. So, um, Brad, we can do the French Dispatch because it's playing a lot at the Alamo. So, yeah. And you get like a free uh, French Dispatch magazine. Cool. If you attend there at the landmark and that. So, uh, yeah. I mean, so, Brad, I will pick the French Dispatch if you can guess my trivia question. Oh, no. Who is the greatest superhero of all time? Oh, man. I know the right answer, but I want to say a different one. <laughs> Fine. Spider-Man. French Dispatch it is, baby. <laughs> hey, hey well, Brad, what is it? Fair. Hey, Brad, what does it feel like to sell? Trivia? Brad, what is it like to sell out your values? <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> So yes, but Corinne, are you willing to sell your soul to make Dune the movie next week? Uh, not my soul, but I mean, I'll probably sell something else. I mean, well, you Brad want, totally like, my shitty couch. I'm nope. a whore. Yep, Brad. <laughs> Brad just got on his knees and <laughs> sucked the teat of I don't know Ryan Frost. Ew. No, not that's, me. That's, um, that, that, by the way, fans of real nerds, please don't make that artwork, please. <laughs> I feel like uh, there may be a blank week coming up where we could revisit Dune. So, oh, yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure there will be. Here's my question, though, Ryan. You don't like French things? No. Well, this is not a French thing. It's a publication in Kansas called the French Dispatch. So, it's got French. Yeah, we're in, in Kansas. Uh, none of your beeswax, Kansas. <laughs> I don't know. None of your beeswax, Kansas. Oh, that's right. Home of the fighting ostriches. Yeah, no, I, well, I, I always thought that Wichita Dwight was joke. weird, anyways, because they have those weird bronze statues of kids playing on the street. It's really weird. That was Liberty, Kansas, which I don't, don't think is a real place. No, in in Wichita, when I was there. Uh, for training for Kidoba years ago, um, I was walking down and they had these weird kid statues just in the middle of the sidewalk. Yes, I know what you're talking about, Ryan, but I'm seeing that the French Dispatch is, <laughs> what is it, the French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Evening Sun? And no. I don't think there is a town called Liberty, Kansas. There's a wait, liberal wait. Kansas. Wait, I have an idea. We can do two movies. Ooh. Oh man, we're gonna do Ooh, Halloween Kills header. again. Nice. <laughs> no, because I mean, uh, Warner Brothers wanted to not make money this year, so we can watch Dune on HBO Max too. <laughs> Go to the theater and get, just they they fucked nope, up. We nope, need to keep the theater nope. alive. Warner Brothers didn't didn't want to uh, make that sacrifice. So I want Matrix Resurrections to do well, please. Nope. I retract my earlier statement. There is a Liberty, Kansas. It's down by Cherry Vale in the SEK. Gotcha. To be fair, Disney didn't want movie theaters to succeed either until they chickened out. So, Anyways, well, we're seeing movies. It's what we do. I looked up the French Dispatch uh, synopsis, and it says, it brings to life a collection of stories from the final issue of a, an American magazine published in a fictional 20th century French city. Yep. 
So Liberty, but Kansas is a fictional French city. It's a it's an out it's an outlet of that American paper from Liberty, Kansas, dispatching out of France. I don't yep. get it. We'll see you at the movies. I just know Bye. Christoph Waltz is in it. Bye. Peace. Say bye, Brad, or we're not going to watch the French Dispatch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. Uh, fine. Fine. Um, I'll just watch the French Dispatch on my own. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to get a 10 year end. <laughs> bye. Uh... Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.